I'm John Dammit Vance. You may know me. Cut. Remember to be more relatable. Right, right, of course. Howdy, y'all. I'm John Dammit Vance. You may know me from the award-winning book, Hillbilly Elegy. But I'm more than just a book. It's also a movie. I'm running for the United States Senate in Ohio because it's time we Buckeyes have someone that's willing to stand up to Big Tech. Cut. JD, the founder of PayPal, has donated millions to your campaign. You may want to avoid criticizing Big Tech here. What do you know about technology? I'm literally... I'm the only candidate that's relatable to everyday hides. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. I went to Yale. I started a venture capital firm. I went to Yale. And I enjoy mudding just like you. Stop. JD, you can't pronounce the G in mudding. That's not how people say it. Okay, guy. Show me the Yale diploma on your wall then. Then you can start lecturing me on grammar. As I was saying, I like to go mudding. I'm running. JD, hold up. We got a text from Tucker. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got a text from Tucker saying we need to add some fear mongering about the southern border to really spice things up. Oh, uh, all right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Stupid me. Okay. We just can. We Ohioans know that the southern border is the biggest threat to our people. That's why I'm proposing to ban all those dirty-ass Kentuckians from crossing the border into our great state of... Cut, J.D., the southern border of the United States, not Ohio. Oh, all right. I, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. Come on, J.D. Come on, J.D. Come on, J.D. Come on. Come on. Game face. Game case. Game face. Good Terminator. Good Terminator. Ohio, do you really want more brown people coming? Cut, 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 cut. I'm John Dammit Vance, and I approve this message. This was not actually done, endorsed by, or a part of the J.D. Vance for Senate campaign, merely done as a joke and should not be associated with J.D. Vance, his campaign, or anything about him. Please don't sue us. You're on sports teams, high school, I don't remember. You, you did bowling, right? Uh, yeah, I did bowling and tennis. I'm, I'm, sh- wait. Oh, that's right. You got a tennis scholarship. Uh, I'm surprised that you have not talked about bowling very much at all, if at all, on this show. It's like the thing I'm actually good at, too. And that's why I don't, I, I think that's why I don't talk about it, because. You put a Brunswick sticker on your tuxedo <laughs> at your wedding. It's not like you're shy about it. Well, I don't, I don't really bowl anymore either. What? Yeah, I don't. Well, I guess, like, I mean, have they even been open? Yeah, I, I haven't bowled for a few years now. Why? I just stopped. I, I have I have a lot of other things to do. One thing being this podcast. <laughs> so, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we derailed John's career. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, look, <clears throat> man, I don't know what's going on my throat. Uh, bowling is one of those sports that everybody thinks is like the easiest thing in the world, but it's actually like, it's actually really competitive and a lot of, a lot goes into it. Like you have to look at the layout of each bowling ball. You have to look at the type of bowling ball. You have to look at what oil is on the lane. It's really weird. I don't think that it's the easiest thing ever because I was terrible at bowling. And I think only one time 
ever in my life have I bowled over a 100. Actually, I have a funny story I could share. This is pretty good. Um, Let it rip. Let it rip. That's what we're here for. So you know Brandon, right? From Brandon from the wedding? I do, but our listeners don't. Okay, my buddy Brandon, who um, initially was going to do some of our design work, but he ended up opening a bowling shop, so he's been too busy and you know doing all that. Uh, he... <laughs> The the new season was coming up, and I had bowled. I hadn't bowled very well that season. Uh, you know, I, I admit it. And um, I, but I had to move up. I'd averaged too much, so I had to move up a position, right? Yeah, and you come for the king, you best not miss. Well, and I was going to be on Brandon's team, but he said since I had to move up, I wasn't good enough to like compete with all of those guys at that level. Right. Okay. So, okay, so shots he, were fired. Sounds like yeah. Right. Shots fired, and I get I just get hammered, and I I like I call him. I'm like, I'm not gonna be on your team. You're out of my wedding. Like I was just being, <laughs> I was saying the the meanest stuff I could. But anyway, flash forward, he does. He, he's still in the he was still in the wedding. But did you actually mean that, his, or were you just like screwing around? No, I was drunk. I was just mad. Oh, okay. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he, he was still in the wedding and everything, but I wasn't on his team. And I, uh, I think I thought about that every time because for the first like 14 or 16 weeks of that league, I averaged like 245 a game. I dominated is, is, everybody. Is that good? That's oh, good. That's very good. That's the, okay, the best. I hear the top score is 300. Right. That, yeah. And I had a lot so of those. Like I had a lot of those that 55 year. 55 below the, the best. Yeah. I had a lot of 300s that year. Okay. It's. That one wasn't one of them, though. So it sounds but like. anyway, the reason I'm telling that story is like, if you're a listener and you ever leave the show, I'm going to remember. And then I'm going to have to I'm going to have to win against you at something. So maybe maybe it's listening to podcasts. I'm going to be better at you than that. This is a very weird gauntlet you're throwing down. <laughs> Especially if we lose a lot, is, then, then you're going to be really busy for a long time. <laughs> to be fair, I'm banking on the fact that we will not lose a lot. God, I hope not, man. I really... And the fact is, most of the people who listen to this are better at better than me at a lot of things. So I really hope that that doesn't they're happen. They're definitely better at you. Better, they're definitely better than you at listening to this podcast. Isn't that weird when you go to say better than me, but you're like better at? I keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's weird. So, so you're on bowling team, you're on tennis team. Um, yeah. So, you know, typical jock (laughs) athlete. Athlete. (laughs) That's what, when people, I I kid you not, when people, I'll take it back before I started tennis, right? I had to, I I played basketball and football and people thought I was trained professionally Mm. in all of those sports. And then, and then they saw me play tennis and I was awful. I was I was so bad. I got so angry at tennis because I was used to actually being good at sports. I would smash rackets like <laughs> like over my knee or like bang them on the ground. Like, I mean, I would just hulk out and just fucking rip one right through my knee. <laughs> That's why there were so many people that went to the Parkersburg South tennis matches because they all went to see the angry kid. <laughs> Like oh there, there he is it. there he is it's that angry kid watch him watch him oh yeah he missed see watch he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> just destroy that racket yeah that's why that's why I can't play tennis like it's like one of the sports I'm not good at like I used to not be good at golf but now I'm okay so I don't have to break anything well so I had the opposite experience I I've literally never been good at a sport in my life 
uh, and then one time I was kind of good. Like I wasn't bad at ping pong. And so like, I, love ping pong. I mean, but then I just got my ass whooped. So I can't really relate. Sorry. And you, you made the, you said the thing earlier about when people look at you, they say athlete. And I was going to make yeah. the joke about me and say, when they, when people look at me, they see mathlete. But I also was, <laughs> I stopped because I was like, I wasn't good at math either. Yeah, what's the... Um, I was terrible at math. Uh, <laughs> what do you call somebody good at, like, geography? A cartographer? I feel like, I feel like you're good at geography. A cartog- you look like a geography guy. A cartographer? I don't... Geography is settled. I mean, you don't have to be good at geography. You have to open Google Maps. You to, yeah, you have to remember all that. That's tough. No, you have to open Google Maps. See, like, I can't open my phone and say, help me kick a soccer ball. And it'll do it. Sure you can. YouTube. Well, it'll teach you. Jesus Christ, man. You, you Listen. Big difference between <laughs> Google Maps taking me somewhere and a YouTube video saying, oh, if you just do this for a thousand hours, you'll be good at it. Yeah, I always hate that... Um uh, what is it? Ten thousand hours thing or ten ten thousand tries thing? Ten thousand hours makes you an expert or whatever. It's what it, people people are saying. If it takes, I, I'm I, look. If it takes you that long, I think you should give up. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I've always done. You know, I think it, it's the mark of the beast, right? Maybe what happens if it takes you ten thousand and one? Are you just not an expert? You're you're not good. Well, then, you have to admit you're not good. See. I'm not an expert in anything because I don't have the patience or the attention span to do anything for 10,000 hours except sleep. So maybe I'm an expert at sleep. I don't know. Um, that, that all these fair. people on these sleep number bed commercials saying sleep experts. And I think, uh, hello, right here. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, right. I'll do that. I'll you, sleep. You'll get a scholarship. Oh, man. I would like to... Att- I would like to attend your school. My luck, my luck that I would be an insomniac or something then after that. Yeah, like the Adderall hits too hard. That has <laughs> happened before. I can't, I, that, I can't I, lie about that. I no, can't. I, I get lie it. About I get that. it. That's true. Well, uh, one thing I wanted to say before we get off this random dumb tangent is because we we talked about Aquaman, which made me think of swim team. My parents wanted me to do swim team one time, and I was so bad at it, and. The only time I'll ever say thank God for an appendicitis was this because <laughs> I was racing this kid and um, and I actually won, but I couldn't pull myself out of the pool uh, because <laughs> what I didn't know at the time was my appendix had started rupturing. And so like it's it's at your kind of like close to your waist level and there's just like a lot of intense pain and I could not pull myself out of the pool. So I had so this is how embarrassing it was. This is like one of the high points of my 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 athletic life where I actually won something. I won a race, but then my coach had to pull me out of the pool because I couldn't get myself out. (laughs) (laughs) That actually does remind me of a story. Uh, I was never on the swim team because, but I did take swim lessons. And have you ever, have you ever seen like a, um, a barrel, uh, in a in the water, like floating in the water, like a like a wooden barrel. Yeah, like a wooden barrel, just like floating. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, like you can picture. That. Yeah, I can picture it. Yeah, 
Okay, well, it's really funny that you mentioned that your your coach had to help you out because imagine like six year old one hundred and sixty pound John being helped out with a rope. <laughs> Like, okay, hold on, okay. are you talking like they had to throw you a rope and you grabbed onto it? Or are they, are you saying that they had a lasso and they lassoed it around you? Oh yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> they, they hogtied me to a point. Like <laughs> they, like, that's why I was asking about barrel. Cause I looked, I was built like a barrel <laughs> Like <laughs> at six years old. I mean, you could roll me down the, like, you know, that's how I got places. Sure, yeah. And so they literally had to throw in a special rope that goes around you. And when they pull it, it tightens. She, I mean, she didn't have to pull very hard for it to tighten around me, but sure. she, she pulled me, you know, I, I was going to say to shore, but I'm not like a fucking whale. <laughs> <laughs> we got a beached whale out there. He's a, uh, he wears an 18 Husky. I did 18, wear an 18, 18 Husky. 18 Husky beached uh, whale. All right. But yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never seen that contraption used since, and I'm starting to think that my mom brought it. <laughs> she brought it, and she's I just think... like, if John Michael can't get out, just use this. <laughs> Ma'am, this looks like it belongs on a ranch. You'll know what to do with it. You'll know what to do. She brought it from Doddridge County, probably. Hell yeah. Every, anything go, anything her... goes in Doddridge County. <laughs> that, I, I love Doddridge County. That's uh, why I like it. But yeah, that reminded me of that story. And I, I'm still traumatized. At, that's why I don't swim laps, because I'm afraid that they're going to have to take like the, you know, the lap like liner thing that breaks down the lap, like uh, what do you call it? Like the yeah. rope. I'm afraid they're going to have to use that to help me. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Scott, I'm, look, I mean, bad memories, bad memories. But you know what? Yeah. Good memories are, are the memories of getting a notification for a new Patreon member, John, we had three oh, this the week. memories. Yeah, I know, right? We do. We have three. Uh, Megan, Corinne, and Monica, thank you so much for joining. If you're interested, patreon.com slash appodlatcher. We do exclusives. We did a really, I thought it was fun. Did you think it was fun, that Zoom session that Hell we yeah, did? yeah, that was pretty dope. Yeah, we had a bunch of people come out. We answered questions. We we talked. We showed, everyone showed their pets. That's pet, pretty cool pet stuff. Pet show and tell, uh, highly underrated, very fun. Very under. I don't understand how we don't have a, a separate podcast on that. I mean, never say never. I'm going to say never because we don't have that yeah, time. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't. But someone else could. Sure. And I'll listen. Yeah. Well, I had to watch because yeah. listening, that's why I get it now. It's not, not good for an audio format. Yeah. Anyway, lots of fun stuff going on at our Patreon. We're we're constantly uh, and you get cool like a cool shirt that no one else can get. It's pretty wild. If yeah, you get stickers that no one else can get. It's all pretty cool stuff. Very exclusive. Very exclusive. We're very exclusive. We, we are. We are for for a small price of five dollars a month. You can join. We also at a ten dollar tier are doing uh, an exclusive series um, on cryptids. But anyway, to our episode, we had a good one, good one this week. Big John, Corey Ryan Forrester, the Buttercream Dream, joins us. One third of the well-read comedy trio. We had uh, Drew Morgan, who was also part of that on a couple weeks ago. And Corey joins us to talk about a lot of things, uh, including mental health, which is something that he has been um, very active and publicly facing about his mental health struggles and triumphs and and all of that really great discussion we also 
you know, shoot the shit for a little bit too. It's a lot of fun. Talk about wrestling too. So if you're interested in that, um, it's good discussion. I love different men. Yeah. Big John it. did. If wrestling's not your thing, that's okay. I put in timestamps around that, but I highly <laughs> encourage you because yeah, I'm not a wrestling guy either, but I still enjoyed it. So, um, so yeah, and a, and a bunch of other stuff too. Corey's a great guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. He's a, he's a rising star, I would say right now. Um, and really, really going places. So, um, it was, it was really cool to have him on the show. And, uh, and so I won't, uh, talk your off anymore. Let's get to our interview with Corey. Well, I, I think that there, there are a lot of things that we want to talk about. I know that we want to talk about uh, mental health. We want to talk uh, about your career, what's going on. And, and funny enough, I forgot to mention this to Chuck, so he's not even know, he doesn't even know that I want to talk about this. But I also want to talk about professional wrestling with you. Please. Because I think that, that you are, uh, you're an underrated professional wrestling aficionado. So, so I, I think that it'll be a good conversation. I'll let, I'll let Chuck start. Cause he's, he's going to have the, uh, probably the better brains of this operation. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll break a little news here and say that you did actually mention that to me before, which is why I have a great sting story. Um, which oh, I have a great thing story too. But it's not about him; it's about a friend impersonating him. But but we'll we'll get to that. I swear to yeah, yours is probably way better. My I, I hype that up way too much. Uh, <laughs> Still want to hear your buddies for sure. That's awesome. But I, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, I cannot fucking wait to tell you my thing. So can I cuss? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So well, just you know, sometimes to start, especially with people who are from Appalachian, I will say that you have the blessing of being a dual citizen being from the South and from Appalachia. Uh, we like to ask people a little bit about where they're from. Now, you're you're from you from Chickamauga. I know you live there now, right? Born and so raised. Yeah. Beautiful. North Georgia. Um, hop, skip and a jump away. And these are for my Middle East Tennessee listeners from Rock City off of I-24 and good old Chattanooga uh, down a little ways from there. I can be in Chattanooga in about 12 minutes and I can be in Alabama in about 30 minutes. So, you know, multicultural. Real diverse. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Well, what um, what made you wanna? What made you wanna stay there? Um. Well, for a long time, in my, I moved to New York and I was there for a year because that was something. And this is definitely not the case now. It was the. I feel it was the case then. When you're a comedian and you've put in so much time working the road from whatever, you know, I started in Chattanooga, there comes a time when it's like, it's it's like an unwritten rule where everybody's like, all right, if you're serious about this, you have to make a decision. You have to go to New York, you have to go to LA. And being, you know, I was talking off mic about like me being this like stubborn old school guy because I was kind of raised by old school people and I've been doing stand up for so long that like, even though I've, it, I've always been the young one in the room, no matter what, every, like when I started, I was 16, I've always been the young guy in the room. I uh, identified with those old guys. And because of that, the gritty nature of New York sort of appealed to me. So I was like, I'll go to New York. That seems the most miserable. Cause that's how my brain worked. That's how my brain worked back then was like, like, like that was when, you know, I, I call it like it was the Louis CK era. And by that, I mean a lot of things, but one of those certainly is it was like the height of people thinking that in order to be a comedian or artist of any kind, you had to be a complete miserable fucking twat all the time. And so there's a lot of like my depression and anxiety that still today I can't quite tell if it's chicken or egg. Like, was I this way and I got into comedy or was 
did comedy make a did comedy create a lot of this and romanticize a lot of this and make you kind of like nurture it into some fucking bullshit plant that you still keep on the windowsill? Um, but I, I moved to New York, but uh, the reason I, I came back because I was broke. I mean, that was very simple. Came back broke, uh, got very lucky, ran up a bunch of credit cards. John, you know, John Rape, the Hemi guy. <laughs> <laughs> the comedian John Reap. Yeah. I've heard of them. I don't know. I'm not sure. That thing familiar. got a Hemi. That's John Reap. Oh, John, shit. Yeah, he okay. won last comic standing. He's a great comedian. Well, me and Reap were drunk as shit one night before I moved to New York. And and uh, and I've, to- I've told him this story since, so he don't care. And I told him, I was like, I'm moving to New York, but I don't know what to do, man. Like, it's going to be hard to make money up there. And he just goes, dude. Just get a bunch of credit cards. And just fucking run your goddamn. Just run your credit card up. And I go, and I was like, this is the most redneck advice ever. He goes, no, dude, I'm telling you. He's like, because I used to open for John all the time. And John was like, dude, I'm telling you. He's like, I believe in you, dude. He goes, you're going to be something. Like we all know it. All of us know it. We were like, this is the kid. He's going to do something. He goes, so just bet on yourself, man. He goes, I did. I did that and uh, ran up all this debt and because I believed in myself. And I got the Hemi commercial and paid all that shit off. And I was like, and I'm sitting here. John's like. And I don't mind. He's a hero. He's a headlining comic that took me on the road and stuff like that. So I'm like, man, if he believes in me, by God, I believe in me too. <laughs> so I go to New York. I run up all these fucking credit cards. I go broke and come back home tail tucked. And then. Ever wish for fuller lips? With Juvederm Lip Fillers, a licensed specialist can help you get the customized look you've been wanting. Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC can give your lips that boost of volume you've been wanting. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. My buddy Trey comes up with this character that he'd been workshopping while I was in New York. He'd been doing this NBC Writers Workshop, and he'd always had this idea for this progressive hillbilly character called the liberal redneck. Boom, he makes a video. Boom, it goes viral. Boom, he takes me on the road with him on a tour, and then all of a sudden we're approached, and we get a book deal that is more money than I've still to this day ever seen in my life, a piece for us, and I paid off every single bit of my credit card debt. So a year later, we're off the road. I see that my buddy John Reap is in Atlanta, and I'm like, I got a weird weekend off. I'm going to go see John and hang out. Get to Atlanta, John's like, dude, do guest sets. Open the show. I'm like, all right, so we have a good time. We're out drinking. We went to some themed clubs. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I was telling John's like, man, I'm so happy for all your success, man. Like, we'd just done The View, all this stuff. He goes, I'm so happy for your success. And, he, and I said, well, dude, you know, I owe a lot of that to you. And he's like, uh, what do you mean? And I said, well, dude, I didn't know what to do about going to New York. And, and I just, you know, I racked up debt and credit cards. And luckily we got that book deal and I paid it all off. And that's what you told me to do. And he, and he pulled a fuck a Reese Bobby from Talladega Nights. He goes, what? I told you that shit. <laughs> he goes, goddamn boy, I was going through a divorce when I said that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, he goes, well, I'm glad it worked. But goddamn, don't ever tell any other young comic that shit. <laughs> So I moved back home, tail tucked, and uh, I'm in, you know, and then all that happened. And the reason I've stayed 
is um, at first it was because my grandmother's from here. Um, mm. She since died, but I it kept being little reasons like that. And I bet, well, you know, I'll move once, blah, blah, blah. And then Trey moved to L.A., Drew moved to L.A. And I'm like, me and my, then me and my wife got married. And I was like, okay, we're going to move to L.A. And then I was like, well, I feel bad her having to plan a wedding and a move at the same time. We'll just wait. And that literally took us up to the pandemic. And then it was like, fuck, I'm glad we stayed. Uh, you know, I'm glad we stayed here. And now because of the pandemic, I know this is a long-winded answer, but because of the pandemic, it has showed that in, the industry no longer really cares if you live in L.A. or New York because now they know we can just do meetings via Zoom. We're all really good at it. So I kind of worked myself into a shoot, and now there's a goddamn Marvel Studios down the street. Like when I filmed Zombieland 2, I just drove to Atlanta, did it, came back you know so there's not as much pressure and if i'm already going to be on the road 42 weeks a year anyways what the fuck does it matter what the other 10 are where they are you know i can fly out if you need me hell yeah i i identify with that a lot that's um that's really interesting and i, I you mentioned the book i did want to say this in the beginning and i, I forgot I, the book is fantastic by the way yeah I'm scared um, to read it because it was five years ago when we wrote it, and I'm a different dude. <laughs> I mean, at least you got the book deal before that, though. Oh, I'm not. Uh, I don't mean like getting canceled. I just mean like uh, I I know for a fact that I, five years ago, five years ago, Corey, there's some things that he knows now and is more enlightened on, and uh, and that's fine. That's called growth, and I think that that should be encouraged. Um, but like, I mean, I was, dude, I was fucking when we wrote that book. I was 28 years old. I was drunk as fuck. And we were on the road. So like, I don't know. I'm just so scared to read it. But I, that, that that's just the neurotic person in me that you just gave me a compliment and I had to walk it back and throw it in your face. Well, I, in fairness, both John and I were in law school five years ago. So uh, I can identify with five year ago, Chuck being way different than present day. Um, but I do want to say I was given that book uh, when I was living in Tennessee still. And it was really great to to actually like see you and and Drew and Trey as people who thought the same way as I did or but are from the south because at that time I was feeling very disheartened about like the politics of it and everything so uh, I I did want to say that because it was just a really it was really great to actually be able to um uh be introduced to you all in like the the well-read um comedy trio I appreciate yeah. you saying that because a lot of people may not know this um, people say that to us all the time. They're like, man, when you guys, and it's so crazy to hear because like the first couple times I heard it, I was like, these people are full of shit. And I, but I hear it so much now that I'm like, well, I can't say that their life experience is wrong that they're like, you know, you guys literally like, I found out about you guys and I was like, holy shit, there's more, there's more, there's more of us. And I tell them every time I go, do you realize that this tour did the same thing for us? All of us were just so frustrated and we knew each other, but we were in comedy and comedy's different. Comedy attracts the more liberal types. They just all, it just always has all art does. It just, that's how it works. When we, when we found out we were able to sell all these tickets, it clicked with us. We're like, well, wait, we just, Hold on. We just sold out in North Carolina. How are there this many people in North Carolina that would, holy shit. So like we had that moment too. Like there was no, there was, the tour wasn't set up because we were like, we know that there's a bunch of people like us and we will take their money. We were just as goddamn shocked as all y'all were seeing us sell out stuff. I promise. Until still to this day, dude, still to this day, whenever we sell out anywhere, when we sell out in California, I get, 
it blows my mind for completely other reasons. But then we sell out in North Carolina. I'm like, man, I still like I can't believe I went for so long and thought it was just us three. Absolutely. It's such a it's so good to see for like other creators, too, who are. I think coming from places like where you're from or like where we're from in West Virginia to be able to see the path that you all really paved for that kind of 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 creator, that kind of comedian, that kind of podcaster, that type of thing. Um, it's weird. We, we, we do talk not to not to, um, this is the tooting the well-read horn portion of the podcast. We talk about that every now and then when we're when we're so, you know, when you get so drunk that you start thinking of your achievements and, you know, you, you're thinking about all the <laughs> passing, you know, passing the bar and blah, 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 blah. And I'm fucking the man. We will think all the time. We're like, we know that one day there will be a group of liberal Southern hillbilly comedians that s- surpass us. Um, because we were the first and that's how it goes. But that's the one thing we go. We go, but no matter what, Nobody will ever be able to say that y'all weren't a goddamn like first that anyone can think of that kind of started a whole new genre. There have been other comedians in that genre, but like, you know, it'd be it. We kind of did a thing and I'm proud of it. Like, it's kind of crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. And well earned. Um, I wanted to transition a little bit. I I know that that uh, John had mentioned in DM and, and earlier about the subject of mental health. It's something that. Recently, John and I talked about on an episode because I know both him and I have had our own personal experiences with it. You've been very, I think, public and upfront with how you manage your mental health, how you manage your depression, how you deal with that. And so um, I think like we're just really interested in hearing kind of your thoughts on that. What led you to being so public about it, being so open about it? Because I think it's something that I know, at least for myself, for, for a lot of our listeners, we really appreciate it because. I think anytime you can put a face to mental health, to depression and, and put some real like like uh, stories around it and real experience around it, it really helps other people um, cope with it and and uh, and be able to manage it themselves. Well, for me, so I have this uh, kind of series that I do called, you know, the daily depression discussions and they're not planned out. They're definitely not like I'll miss a day from time to time because that's just how that's just how it goes. Um but basically how it started, like today's, I saw a dude uh, out in the park who I've been watching and I, I've not been stalking this old man in the park, but we do have like, because I'm a comedian and he's old, we have the same schedule, you know, <laughs> like we can just kind of do whatever we want. And I've been noticing him in the park and he's clearly been rehabbing his leg and he's been on a crutch for a while and not been able to walk good. And today I saw him and he was like holding the crutch above his head, like in celebration and walking without it. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Like what a great you know Incredible. what a great parable for like you you still have to put the work in like if you like your brain is is something that you got to take care of if you want it to get better uh, and so i posted about that but those started with one day i was just actually feeling depressed and i hadn't had a, a, a depressive snap as my granny i guess would call it in a while which is good i've been you know in a more manic mode but it's, it all started <laughs> when when uh i kept having people who like, you know, because my profile has been raised a little bit, maybe I'd say something on Twitter that was a little off color or something. And, and I would get a message that people would be like, Hey man, you know, you got a platform now, you got a platform now, you got to really watch more of what you do. And I'd just be like, get the fuck out of my face with this platform talk. Like just because I have a lot of people follow me, like, like basically something in the news would happen and they'd be like, Hey, I figured that with your platform, you would comment on this. And I'm like, 
Well, you know, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I don't. If I talked about everything, I'd be. If I talked about everything that happened in the news, I'd be sitting here all day on a live stream. Do you understand that it's 24 seven news and like sometimes they got to yeah. create some of the shit. But I kept hearing platform, 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 and I was taking it very negatively, as I am wont to do every now and then. And then when I was really feeling depressed and I was just like, oh, my God, I could feel it coming, calm before the storm. And that word platform, platform, platform kept creeping up my mind. I was like, you know what? I do have a platform. That is correct. So get on your phone and say what you would want to hear right now. Say what would have been awesome for you to hear if you were 19, 20 years old, Corey, and you could hear someone that maybe you're a fan of or you look up to specifically because I say my my only experience in life is as a white cis man. And mental health is one of the only eras where we we actually get treated a little shitty in my opinion like we're not we're not 100%. supposed to talk about it and and we get like if, if where i'm from man and i know that y'all know this dude when i was younger if i was to say i'm depressed i would have literally just got called a pussy like that's it and and i was just like that's what people around you that's what the people that follow you that they're hearing so use your platform and, and let them know that they're not alone at least um and, you know, I'll be forthright with you. Those videos do a lot of good for me. Like, they're still a little selfish. Like, I, when, I, when I put one of those out, it feels good to do it. Um, helping people is a nice uh, side benefit of it being helpful for me. For me. And I'm glad, that it, I'm glad that it does help a lot of people. And because I've gotten such good feedback, it's encouraged me to keep it going. Because, uh, I've, dude, I've had some pretty rough DMs, if you can imagine of people but then there were some that was like hey man i ain't gonna lie i've had some that were literally going dude uh i was kind of considering killing myself tonight and i and I'm, I'm not trying to laugh it's just that's my reaction to something so awkward and terrible uh sure i was not. thinking about killing myself tonight and your video popped across my screen and it made me feel better and i'm not stupid enough to think that they might not be with us now but they did feel better in that moment and that sort of is what we all as comedians want to do anyways with our jokes. So now it's just a not less funny extension of that same philosophy, I suppose. Yeah. I, I think what you're doing is great. I think, I think if we had more people who uh, look, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned the whole platform thing because obviously Chuck and I nowhere near where you are. Apple latch and nowhere near well read is bullshit. But in terms of I've seen y'all's Twitter, don't bullshit me, son. <laughs> and in terms of the labor of love, all them wrestling figurines that Patreon money. I know how it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the in terms of of the platform thing, we we also like if something happens in Appalachia, like now everybody kind of turns to us and says, like, yeah. you know, why have, why haven't you said something on yeah. this or or why are you you know? And I I always I've dealt with depression for a really long time, so when people do that and and I take it as a negative thing as Me if too. as if they think I'm not doing my job like Me too. Uh, you know I'm not doing I'm not doing enough for the region or whatever and I tend to you know I'll text Chuck and be like how could they say this you know and then I have to go and and talk to my wife who is much smarter and uh you know doesn't have as many issues as I do and, and she you know she's less reactionary more level headed than both of us very uh and so she'll she'll tell me like that's not what they're saying they're you know and and they're they're saying you have a platform you can talk about these things yeah. Um, and so I, I get what you're saying. And I think that there needs to be more discussion with this. And, 
and you talk about how being a guy, I, I think we, we often, we are so lucky to have, a, to, to be white men. I'm not going to lie. Oh about dude, that. absolutely. I'll we, still take it in the draft every we, single day. Exactly. Like, like I'm, I'm very pumped that I went top five in the draft. I mean, oh dude, look, shit. Top I'd have been, two. I'd have, I would have been top two, but I, you know, I was obese for a number of years, so that, oh, right. you know, that kind of that plummets me. Yeah, for uh, sure. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, the, <laughs> it, it's it's tough though it, to to talk about these things, and you're doing it at a new level, like where you're just you're out there telling people this is what I deal with. What I mean, how do you how do you balance being this funny, you know, buttercream dream, but also kind of being this vulnerable, you know, Corey? Uh some days I, I'm I'm having to learn which guy's driving the boat every day, and that's a, that's a struggle, you know. Like uh, because at the end of the day, like I'm still a guy who like, you know, look, I suffer from depression. Some people suffer from depression, but I also I'm like, however, like you know, the the moment that you're letting it affect other people, you still have to get your shit in check. And so like I'm like, look, tomorrow, Corey, you have three sketches that you're supposed to rewrite. It really doesn't matter whether you feel good or not. You still have to get them done because other people are counting on you. So really it's just me trying to compartmentalize all that stuff. Like when I, like I'm in a great mood today. I saw earlier today, I got a lot of stuff done because it's just the way I've had to learn to manage my depression and stuff is I'm like, all right, you feel really good today. Try to get a week ahead just in case you have some bad days this week that you can allow yourself to kind of not. That's also speaking from a place of privilege because I make my own schedule. I'm in the creative field. So that's another thing that I'm like always I try to be aware of when I'm giving quote unquote advice. I'm just speaking from my experience. It's what I know. But really what it all boils down to is like I just have to depression is your life. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It is your life. And so like, if, if you're, if you have a, uh, uh, a handicap in your foot, you've got to do certain things different in order to compensate for that. And depression is no different. And it sucks that we have to do that, but this is just the hand I was dealt. And I'm, it's just those little concessions that I have to make every day. Sometimes I wake up and I know for a fact, buttercream's driving the boat and it's going to be a good day and we're going to crank them out and we're going to have a good day. And then some days I wake up and I know that ain't the case. And unless I have something that's an emergency that I have to do, I'm, I'm doing a lot better at giving myself a break, which is something that it took me literally 30 years to learn to do is give myself a break because you know, you guys know where we're from, man. Like it's fucking you work until your feet hit the floor to your ass hits the ground and goddamn it. And I'm not, and by the way, there's people that have to do that. And that's a great attitude to have, but like, Oh man, uh, you you got to find balance because at the end of the day, what's it all about? If you if you hate everything, then what's it all about? So I'm just just trying to take a little better care of myself and just that's my thing. Is every morning I wake up and go, who's driving? All right, well. He's not as good of a driver, so maybe go slower. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like that. I think that that's a. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. The um, the pussy comment really resonated with me because um, <laughs> I totally forgot what you meant by that, and it, I get it now. <laughs> okay, I was like, Wait, which, hold up, which story? Uh, I should say being called a pussy comment um, because so. And I'm sure this is the same for for you and for John. I mean, like we mentioned where we grew up. I was involved like a lot of, I guess, quote unquote, masculine things. I was in Boy Scouts. I did sports. Was not good at them, but I did them. And 
It, right, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked ad nauseum about how terrible I was at soccer. Um, but and the thing is, is like when you're, and I worked on a farm too, like with, with all these like very masculine, like manly men, air quotes. And I think you're, you're kind of, it's almost like you're programmed to push those things past you, like depression, like mental health issues, because you're supposed to be tougher than that. And I, I think like one thing that I think you're doing, um, and then just, I think people in general, when they're open about these things is engaging, I think in a little bit of I don't know if the right word is reprogramming, but that's what I'll choose to call it, especially for men, but just for people in general, because there's been such a stigma around mental health. And and so um, this isn't really a question, but it's just more of a comment. I, I appreciate what you're doing because it helps give a permission structure for other, I think, men to feel comfortable being vulnerable about those kinds of things. Yeah. And I mean, and again, you know, I'm a big dude who likes to preface things because I know if I just say things speaking from my own experience and it seems like I think that's everyone else's experience, I can understand that I come off as a bit of a douche uh, because I'm in, again, I'm in the entertainment, man. Like I kind of like I get to make my own rule book. Uh, like I'm allowed to wear a pink robe to the grocery store because I'm not going to run into a guy who might fire me. Cause he's my boss like that. Don't I wear a pink robe to the grocery store and somebody takes a picture of me and puts it on Twitter. I get a thousand new followers. That's I, I'm allowed to be weird. <laughs> I'm allowed dream. to be, I'm allowed to be weird and I'm allowed to, but, but that's really what it was. It was like one day, like one day, like I didn't really want to, I didn't talk about my depression that much. And one day, that whole, like, you're a pussy, you're a pussy, you're a pussy. I started thinking, I was like, they already call you that for everything else about you. Like, everything else about you. Like, you're a fucking liberal. You think people should have rights. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you dress weird. You know, like, you're, you're kind of a, like, I've always been the artsy dude. I've always been like I was I was definitely the only guy ever to go to my school that played football but was also in the drama club. And that, you know, I've always been a more sensitive dude. And like, I'm, you know, they know me around here. I'm the dude, like, if I ran over a squirrel, I'm, I'm going to probably be really upset about that. <laughs> like, that upsets me. <laughs> I would definitely still eat it, though. Like, there is a dichotomy yeah, about yeah, me. 100%. But, but like, eventually one day I was like, dude, why in God's it just be, be everything else about you yourself? Um, I'm allowed to do that, but maybe maybe it will at least like if I, I'm, I'm aware that there's people out there that can't just be like, I can't really just talk about my depression because like, it'll just be weird at home and weird at school. I get it. But maybe if I, if somebody's like, but at least I know that Corey who seems it's so funny to even say that like he's otherwise Corey seems to have it together. you know. <laughs> so to know that he's struggling too, that are you telling me, are you telling me that the guy that goes outside and don't wear a shirt, 34 years old, puts a wrestling belt on it and screams at politicians on his phone, that guy has some brain trouble? Get the fuck out of here, man. I tell you what, you see something new every day. God damn, boy, what do you say about that? <laughs> That's I think that's a that's a fair way to put it. But that's my Trey Crowder impression, by the way. Honestly, that's that's literally what I was about to say was yeah. have you have you heard that from Trey? Do you want me to do you want me to tell, teach everyone on your show how to do the perfect impression of Trey Crowder? Do it. Do it. All right. First off, you, here's what you do. You start out with a Dr. Phil impersonation that's where you start that's your base you're right here 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 now, now now look you're not a monster you're a good guy okay you're fine and then you add some pretentious words like you know ostensibly ostensibly what i'd do if i was in your precarious situation all right so now you've got the words 
and you've got the Dr. Phil as the base. Now pretend that Dr. Phil either had a severe sinus attack or got punched in the nose, and you just bring it right here. Look, man, listen. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I grew up in East Tennessee, all right? Those are where my people are, God damn it. And I'll tell you right now, you don't want to fucking fuck with me. You either fish or cut bait, you son of a bitch. And that's how you do trade. That's the starter kit. That was pretty damn good. I know. That was. I, yeah, we could tell you that you worked on that one. That's, uh, for a long time, I'm sure. That's pretty oh, good. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was talking yeah. to Trey for a second. Who who is the last piece? That's the last piece of the Well Read podcast. Oh, he hasn't been to on? Come on this show. That's it. He hasn't. Nope. Nope. Oh. Now I got to transition to to wrestling because yeah, baby. I, it's so funny because the other day I was looking. You, had, I don't remember what you posted, but you've I, I, how long? Maybe it's been recent. Maybe it's not. You seem to have a lot of friends in the indie wrestling scene. Yeah. Is that new? Is that, has that come over the last, like, you know, since Buttercream Dream or has it been for a while? Buttercream Dream has definitely helped it. Um, it's definitely helped it a lot, but a lot of people don't know. One of my best buddies in the whole world is Conrad Thompson. Of That's the, where I was going. <laughs> of the, of the Conrad Thompson podcast empire. Um, and I actually, I'm one of the rare people who I knew Conrad before all that. Like I did, like he had, I think when me and Conrad met, he had just started his Bruce Pritchard podcast, which was the first one he ever did. Um, he had just, he had just been helping Flair, Rick Flair with his, which of course is how he met his wife, Megan. And me and Conrad just become buddies and, and we like our, now Conrad was very successful before all the podcasts, but our entertainment careers, I met him right as well Red started and right when he started the podcast. And so we've just kind of had our relationship and careers have just kind of been going at the, at the same time. So we relate to each other in a lot of ways because that I was, you know, if, if there's an AEW show and I want to go to it and go backstage or whatever, I'm in. And because of that, I met a lot of these dudes, but then yes, when I started doing the buttercream dream and I can't tell you how much, how much it hits for me that like these dudes like me because I've been real nervous that like I, I know and you know that what I'm doing is a celebration of wrestling, but I was so worried and I talked to Conrad about it a bunch and he's like, dude, I'm telling you like you're, you're good. And I was just so worried that they would be like, look at this fucking guy trying to steal our gimmick you know, yada, yada. And I always had my, like, my defenses were always ready for me to be like, we let Mick Foley do stand up at comedy clubs. Get the fuck out of here. We're even. You know what I mean? Like, I've been so ready to be like, Jake, the snake was at the comedy catch last week. What, that? what about that? Um, but like, I mean, I'm, and by the way, I'm certain that there are some out there that don't like me that they probably see it. And they're like, you know, fuck. but like, for the most part, the dudes that I hung, you know, I've hung out with, like I've had conversations about it with, with, you know, Dustin Rhodes and, you know, gold dust for those of you. And, you know, I'm not saying he's my biggest fan, but like, it, it's not an offensive gimmick to him. And that meant a lot to me because I always, when I meet somebody, I always like to ask like, Hey man, is what I'm doing respectful to, to you? Because, and, and they'll all, most of the time when I'm in, they'll be like, we can tell you're a fan. You know what I mean? And that's, that's okay. Uh, so yeah, just go into the shows. Like I always go to Conrad puts on Starcast, and there's always a GCW event and I always go. And so I've just got to meet these dudes and there's so much, there's so much that we have in common. 
Like it's like talking, like us talking. It's like a, it's like two comedians talking or two wrestlers talking. We do different things, and obviously, what they do is more dangerous and scary. But like the philosophy and the psychology of everything that we're doing is exactly the same. They get into a wrestling ring. I go on stage. We're both trying to entertain people. We're both playing a part. Um, it, you know, there's not. There's again, the physicality is a lot different, but the mentality is no different at all. And I just, so I, you know, I, I have a ton of musician friends and we're friends because like, I can't explain it other than there's just like this understood vibe that we all have of like, I, we don't do the exact same thing, but we do enough of the thing that you're my brother forever. And I would fucking murder someone for you. And I've only known you for five minutes. Like I like you, <laughs> I like you kind of better than I like some of my family and I love my family. It's just that they don't get it and you get it. And therefore we don't like when I meet a, when I meet a regular person or as we call them a civilian, I've got to like explain my, like for them to understand any stupid ass decision I make, I have to be like, we have to understand the lifestyle that I live in the blah, blah, blah. All these people already get it. So you don't have to waste time with the origin story. You know, this is what I do. And this is what I do. You just go, I'm an artist. And they're like, fucking a sucks. Don't it? You know, <laughs> your, your brothers. Uh, well, I, I will point out to our listeners because I'm going to guarantee that me, probably like 85, 90% have no idea what we're talking about. And I just want to clarify, I am, I'm purely having this discussion based off the most selfish fucking reason yeah. possible. Like this is for me. I look, uh, Chuck in the show notes, <laughs> he'll, he'll, I'm sure put like end of wrestling conversations. So is it? Yeah. Is it this because, at least yeah. put the timestamps in because, <laughs> because uh, I know uh, some people don't like our bullshit in the beginning. So I wish right, I was so this, that dedicated I, to our timestamps on ours because sometimes <laughs> we'll have that and we're like, I bet you people didn't, don't really want to hear this. I'm like, I guess they'll have to fucking decide for themselves. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I just wanted to point out, like I'm doing this purely off the the most. Uh, look, Chuck Chuck has controlled my wrestling uh, discussion for the last what year and a half. I'm not saying he did it like on purpose, but right, he, right, keeps right. Me, he keeps me. He, I he keeps just me don't know shit the, about wrestling. He keeps me on the straight and narrow, so don't go off. Uh, You're you know, not a wrestling fan, wrestling. Chuck. It's not that I'm not a fan. I just don't follow it very closely. No, I understand. Uh, so who right now? Who's who's your guy at the top? Guy or, or or woman? Who's the best wrestler to you right now? Well, best wrestler and who's my guy? I guess is a, is a different question. In a little bit, I would say that like you know the smart marks all want to say like Will Ospreay is the best you know worker, best wrestler you know in Japan. I don't disagree with that. Um, but I like personality wise, I'll tell you the guy that I relate to the most. Now, I, I will I will tell you this, and I tell Conrad this all the time. I have fallen behind a lot during COVID just because I know that they have to do the shows crowdless. I get that they're doing what they have to do, Agreed. but they don't hit yep. for me. Me too. And uh, and I now and I also I got to go to some of them because I got clear I got cleared, masked up, tested, and just went to Jacksonville because I was allowed to. Got to hang out with you know Tony and all those guys. But like I'm, I'm so I, I watched a couple and I'm like, man, they are really doing the absolute best they can under the circumstances. But I don't like because when I watch wrestling without a crowd, I'm instantly reminded of this horrible situation that we're in, and that's what I'm trying to get away from for a second. Yeah. So it, the, the way that I'm trying to say this is, I think they're doing awesome with no crowds, and it's not their fault that I don't watch. But that's absolutely why I haven't really been watching that much. But I said all that to say this: really love Hangman Page. I think that yeah. dude gets it. That dude reminds me, oh, he's old school, but he also is hip and cool at the same time. I love his Twitter presence. It seems like me and him would really get along. I haven't got I to meet. Say. 
But also, best heel in the business, in my opinion, MJF, dude. Because he's, oh, the, yeah. cause he's <laughs> the real dude. He's the real deal. So it's StarCast in Chicago, which is the last StarCast I think before COVID. No, it was Baltimore. But anyways, I'm in Chicago, and MJF's there. And he's actually not even really got his big shining moment on AEW yet. But he – so his gimmick was he was doing a meet and greet, and he, he made his meet and greet the most expensive meet and greet because he, quote, didn't want to have to talk to poor people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, dude, his shit was sold out. And yeah. for the first 45 minutes, people had to take a picture behind him because he was asleep on the table. Yeah. And and people were fucking <laughs> eating it up. And that's the thing where you go like, well, it, is he a bad guy then because people love it? But like, dude, he's so good at it, man. Like, he's just such a huge asshole. And I love, I love, I absolutely love his work. I think he's he's tremendous. Um, I like Kevin Owens. I, I like I like a lot of the WWE people. I think that when I watch that, a lot of them are being misused. But at the mm-hmm. same time, they've got a huge roster and like nineteen belts that people have to win, which don't hit for me. Uh, but <laughs> I did, I like that wrestling seems to be in a good place, and there's a lot of promotions doing well. And I hope that the ones that have survived COVID will continue to grow uh, because I think that it's such a Drew uh, Morgan from the Well Road Comedy Tour has has said this before, and I agree with him. It's modern day Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's I agree. I, I mean, it I think is. it's. I think it's fucking great. The look. I grew up. Uh, I grew up watching wrestling. Like it, it consumed my entire life. I mean, they, literally, I'm a I'm a 28 year old man who, like, throughout my entire house, has uh, a bunch of like uh, Mick Foley stuff everywhere. He's the best. He is. He's by far. I think that you can see the top. I can right there. Yeah. I got that. That's from 1990. 98, the first time I ever met Mick Foley. He that was signed a sale year, right? It was. And he, for some reason, came to Parkersburg, West Virginia. And oh, uh, right. little, little known fact, Mick Foley's first match was in Clarksburg, West Virginia, which just happened to be where I was born. So I, I think it. it was it was pretty much meant to be. Uh, humble brag here. I talked to Mick the other day. I will flip this table. I talked. <laughs> so Mick, Mick, Mick will message me every now and then. And I always like, I definitely, I know right now, I hope he doesn't hear this and be like, what a fucking Mark. Um, if but he hears this, I will freak He's a huge out. fan <laughs> of the show. So. Yeah. But, but like, I'll never message him. Cause I'm like, okay, he met, I can't message him. Cause then he'll be like, Oh, Hey, I'm the one, I'm Mick Foley. I'm the one that starts this conversation. I'm like, but even though he doesn't think like that. Cause he's such a sweet yeah. guy, but he'll message yeah. me like, I don't know if he's like not allowed to like share my videos because of he's maybe still under contract or something like that. Yeah. And I say that because it would be so easy for him just to share it or like it, but he never does. He, well, he'll like it. And then I'll get a message from him detailing exactly why he liked the video, <laughs> which, which super dude, like it hits for me so hard. He'll be like, dude, this was awesome because, blah, blah, because that's how his mind works. He's like, you know, like I love how you booked this video. You know what I mean? And so we'll talk and I, and I, I got to explain to him the other day, how much like his that the attitude era was like the era I grew up in and also like how much in my comedy career and just artistic career I was inspired by him because like the like with the buttercream dream and I'm, I'm then I made buttercream dreams aunt who is aunt Lita and then I made all these other characters like that's straight from Mick Foley gave us all the permission of you don't have to be one thing you can be if you've got this other idea just do it like it's fine have a have a split personality have a bunch of characters create this world so he's always been like in the buttercream world I, people would tell me they're like you know who's buttercream based on I was like well to me there's a little flair in there the name is based on Dusty Rhodes there's the name is based on Dusty Rhodes the skews are based on Ric Flair 
Um, but there's all the, and, and the, how wild I'll get with the other stuff. There's a lot of Mick Foley in there. Oh, yeah. And the accent is kind of a mixture between just mine and stone colds. So, but, <laughs> Mick, but, Mick, but all of it comes together for the buttercream dream. And Mick Foley is a huge part of that. Um, so anyways, I just want to throw in the fact that every now and then Mick Foley tells <laughs> you me get I'm to great. Yeah. Probably, probably uh, the smartest professional wrestler too. Oh yeah. Of all time. Bright, he's a bright yeah. guy. I don't know if I, I don't know if you heard, but he's likes me. So that dude's pretty smart. <laughs> he's pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned having a sting story. So I, I want to give you the opportunity to tell that one before we, uh, we, we move on. So I'm in Vegas at Starcast, and me and my buddy Cassio kid are hanging out. Cassio kid, AKA the million tater man. Uh, <laughs> what a name. Oh uh, yeah. We were hanging out and you know, we'd been like hanging out with wrestlers all day. I think I'd been with Stan Hansen earlier. And then I, I was like about to go hang out with Jimmy Hart for a while. So it was like a really awesome, great day. We're all, drunk. yeah, that's it. Just Jimmy Hart. In the big yeah. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> and I tell you nicest guy you will ever meet treats his fan when he, I, I was actually working his meet and greet. I wanted to hang out with him for eight hours. And the only way to do that is to just, I helped him take pictures for his meet and greet. And dude, when he showed up, I'm like, Hey, I'm Corey. I'm going to be helping you out. And he's like, Corey, Jimmy Hart. Very nice to meet you, man. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty good right there. Let me, go ahead and tell you, let me go ahead and tell you something right now. I know that you're a good guy and you're probably going to offer to get me a water. Jimmy Hart don't want a water because Jimmy Hart is going to sit here and sign autographs and I ain't going to go to the bathroom. So I don't have no water. So he don't have any water during his meet and greet. So he don't want anybody to have to stand there and wait. Dude, he entertained people the whole time. Wow. He told stories. Like people would, people would be like Jimmy Hart. Oh my God, I saw you with my dad at the at Sportatorium in '88, and and he would like remember the show, and he would like, and he was just the, the nicest guy. Point is, so we're in the green room later that day. Me and Million Tater Man, Cassio Kid, Matt Mitchell are sitting there, and uh, we're I think we're just like we're eating some crackers and cheese or something like that, you know, like stealing from Conrad's free buffet, <laughs> and and all of a sudden Sting walks in in full Sting black and white makeup, and Cassio was just like. Fucking stink, dude! Fucking stink! I was like, I was like, holy f- shit, stink! Now he's got the dude. He's got the bat. Uh, yeah, he's got the 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 yeah. coat on. Like well, it's, it's a duster. Yeah, yeah, it's sting. So, anyways, sting. Uh, oh, somebody. Oh, this is a, another funny story that Shivani cracked me up. I was walking down the hall. Uh, me and Tony Shivani were walking down the hall, and this dude had a bat. And uh, he's like, uh, Shivani. And he's like, what's up, man? He goes, I'm going to have Sting sign this bat. And he goes, yeah, why don't you crack him in the head with it and watch him no-sell that shit. Uh, and so, <laughs> so then we get in there, and there's Sting. And he, and he goes, and he sits down, and Conrad goes over, and he's talking to him. And he's just like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that we're really appreciative that you came to StarCast. This is awesome. And, and Sting's a super nice guy. He's like, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, man. And he's sitting there. And he's, he's made a plate of, like, crackers and cheese, you know, and he's just sitting there and he's staying. He's got really great, like, <laughs> posture. Like, he's literally about to come out the rafters on somebody. And so Conrad comes back up and he's like, do you need anything else? And he goes, and Sting's just like, no, I'm fine. And he goes, okay. He goes, anyways, it's just great that you're here. And he goes, yeah, it's a wonderful event to be too. I get to see, <laughs> I get to see some of my friends you know, the ones that are still left. And and he says that in a chill and a chill came over all of us. But as he did that, you know how like in a movie when someone said that they would take a puff of a cigarette? He picked at that time he he picked up a cube of cheese <laughs> and was like eating it, but like the way he was having to eat it, he knew that he couldn't oh, get his shit. lipstick messed up. So he was just like uh, 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 uh. 
And then he just took a bite of it. And we're just sitting there like with cold chills, but like having to like hold in our laughter because my buddy was like, <laughs> Did fucking Sting just say that shit? Eat some cheese? Is that what happened? Did we just see that? And I was like, he fucking did. He's eating goddamn cold cuts. Talking about Ultimate Warrior being dead. This is crazy. <laughs> That's my song. It was fucking awesome. I love going to those events and hanging out with those old wrestlers, man. They're, they're the best, uh, the best in the world. That's incredible. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> My uh, my sting story is not anywhere near as good. Um, I will tell it. Why should I open with it? Probably should. I don't know why he <laughs> let you go first. Look, well, no, I, th- this is the beauty of editing this because I can cut this out and put it first. So that's really uh, it's it's really not that it's probably not even that funny in hindsight. But this is like he his at least for me, I remember his peak time. I guess being. Was it like early, late nineties? Maybe that's when he was super popular. It depends, it depends on which thing you're talking about. Surfer Sting was early nineties, who I identify loved as a kid because he was bright and neon. But if you're talking about the Sting white and black face paint right. pro Sting yeah. with the bat, that's going to be your ninety seven, ninety eight WCW during the eighty three weeks when the that Monday Night it. Wars were going on and the NWO. I love the Monday Night Wars. Oh, this yes. shit, man. Yes, that was it. So my friend at the time is, but in I think it was in fourth grade or third or. Oh, fourth did y'all grade. go to high school together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. did. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, <laughs> I, we're, we're cute. We were roommates. Yeah, co- college roommates too. Wow. Damn. Um. <laughs> so uh, it, it was like third or fourth grade, and this kid was like obsessed with Sting, and so we had like this Halloween party at school, and most of us half-assed it, like. I, don't, I think I maybe like came in looking vaguely like Woody from Toy Story. I don't know, but this kid comes in and he's got his mom clearly spent hours on like the makeup, full yeah. fucking face, everything, huge oversized duster, like was complete anomaly in the class. And I respect that. But what was funny is he couldn't decide who he wanted to be because he also really liked Carl Malone. <laughs> 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 so so he had all this on but underneath the duster he had a utah jazz jersey so he ended up looking like a fucking juggalo dude you, you undersold that yeah so did. well that's so that much good. better than mine that's fucking hilarious juggalo sting <laughs> Juggalo Sting. That's honestly that could be his next iteration. God, Dude, how about we were in uh we were somewhere in Michigan right before the pandemic and it was like this fucking run down club. I'm like we were having to like sincerely worry about stepping on like heroin needles when we were walking down the aisle to get to the stage or whatever. And me and Trey are lost and we were in a freight elevator and we just saw like I mean like a like four to five pallets of fago and we're like what the fuck <laughs> we're like his, oh we're like God. his we're like his fago uh like a big thing in michigan and i was just joking i, I finally see the guy that's running the place and i go hey man uh y'all having a goddamn uh was, was the insane clown posse here this weekend they go no an insane clown posse cover band <laughs> imagine that fucking show oh Holy jesus shit. that would be that would be a shit show for sure yeah. But I want to uh, go. Yeah, oh, yeah, one hundred percent. John, you uh, you mentioned. Sorry, I got us off the rails. That's my fault. No, no, this we're on the no, rails. This, this is great. has all well, been on the is, rails. I mean, shit, this is the show. Okay, good. It's been my favorite conversation <laughs> so far. Um, current projects, John. You mentioned that you wanted. To- yeah, I wanted. To, I wanted to. So obviously, we're in, we're still in pandemic mode. So, uh, we're, but we're starting to come out of it. Do you have, uh, I've, I've actually just did a show yesterday with 
I think three other comedians um, and they were saying that they were, they just started booking dates and stuff. Yeah. Have you all started doing that? We haven't started booking dates. We're looking to follow. It's just, it's a little trickier with three dudes. Like if, if all of us toured separately, I think all of us would have already started doing some half capacity shows because it would have been fine. But when there's three dudes, you're already splitting it up anyways. You start going, well, by the time we get there, I'm making, eh, let's just stay home. Uh, Cause luckily we we've got, I've had a bunch of, uh, writing work that has kind of held me over weirdly enough sometimes people want me to write stuff for them or or better yet uh just edit things like hey what would be funnier about this and then they'll give me funny and i'll just come back to them uh it's called (laughs) being a punch-up artist which is awesome and uh but we do we are start a lot of the stuff that like kind of we were in production with before covid is now starting to restart and i Unfortunately, they're all such in their infancy that I can't really speak that much on them. But I will tell you, I can say legally, we're working on a sitcom, working on a cartoon, working on a travel type show. Uh, I have a uh, and also working on another pilot deal. Again, it's it's so stupid to even say what I just said because they're all so such in their infancy. But a lot of stuff going on, just none of it even close to done. But a lot, a lot of irons in the fire. Um, you know, I've got through the screen door podcast, which is unfortunately my co-host Matt Cohn is. Uh, he had COVID, then he had a tumor removed, and it's been a whole thing. Yeah. But we're still doing it. It's been a whole thing. But we I, and I, I another project that literally just popped on my mind, but I'm not. I'm not. I can't say much about it. But I will tell you that it's a. It's a. It's a British themed show that I'm working on that I'm pretty excited about. Um, but I'm just ready to get back out there. My, my options are still kind of open. I've, you know, I've got enough going on. Uh, I'm just really, I'm really excited to see what it's like for me when I go out. Cause I'm, I'm, I've ra- I, oddly enough raised my profile during COVID, which is weird. I didn't think that that was going to be possible. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to go out and do stand up for new people. Cause I haven't done stand up for like new people in a long time. Cause like our shows have all sold out or done really well in the past five years, but it's been like recurring well-read fans, you know, like fans yeah. that we've accumulated over five years that like every now and then it's like, of course there's some new people coming through, but like, we, dude, our fans are so awesome that like, I, dude, I, I, we've seen people that are like, this is our 15th time seeing you. And we're like, are you fucking insane? Wow. You know, I definitely know that only three times was it different because that's how tours work. <laughs> and they're like, we fucking love it. You're always drunk. It is different. So so it's, I'm, I'm excited now to, uh, this is another self-serving statement that I'm about to say. Like I, I've, I've gained a lot of fans in the past year and a half. And in my opinion, stand-up is the thing I'm the best at. So I'm, I'm very excited and also a little nervous to show them my thing that they didn't know that I could do, you know? Yeah. I don't think you're going to have that many issues selling anything out one, because you have gained so many followers and two that I've, from what I've hear, uh, what I'm hearing about like other comics and stuff, as soon as they book shows, they're just like selling out immediately. People people are ready. There's one thing that um, I I, I do want to hit on that. I don't know. I guess it's now a past project, but you worked with one of our former guests on this show, which is old gods of Appalachia. Oh yeah. It's yeah. no, it's not a form. I mean, my, I was in my first episode of this season, okay. but, I, but I still have a three episode arc. So. All right. Well, look next, at that. Next That's week, awesome. actually, I will be doing some more scenes with Yuri Lowenthal, who Yuri Lowenthal is one of the most prolific voice actors in the dadgum world. I mean, he was the, he's the voice of Spider-Man on PlayStation and has been forever. Um, so no, I, 
I'm not, you know, I can't tell you what happens because I don't want to give the story away. But dude, that was like, I was so pumped. Um, I've been listening to that podcast for a while and I think it's tremendous. I think it's just great. It's really, really good. And I'll just straight up tell you, I just reached out. I just said, I just, I, I, I I tweeted at him. I was like, fucking love the show. And then I realized that they were following me and I was like, oh, what? Hold on. Okay. (laughs) Maybe. And I was just like, dude, listen, you know, if ever, if ever you've got room and uh, they were just like, we'll fucking write you a character right now. This would be great. And so, yeah. And and so I'm really, I'm really excited about that because uh, I I, I don't know, man, like that, that was such an honor for me to be able to work on that. And I feel like I did a pretty, pretty decent job, but yeah, that was a, that was fun, man. I really think it was awesome. Yeah. That, um, that show, like, like, you know, if you have a really great television show, they have an Emmy and I know they have like podcast awards, but I don't think, I don't, I don't know the one that's considered the most prestigious or whatever, but like they're doing, in my opinion, they're doing EGOT level work 100%. in the podcast world. And I think that podcasts are still such a new medium that we don't respect them in that way. But I feel like one day that's going to be a really cool thing for me to tell my kids that I did was I was on old gods of Appalachia and, and fuck my kids. It was cool to me. I don't care what they think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's, it's interesting because podcasts, I mean, you can pull together a microphone and, and publish something, but what they do is, I mean, it, the production quality, the writing is incredible it's and hard. just everything they put into it is, and is really, really good. Yeah, it's um, tremendous, and I really hope that, and and I know we will. I know we'll see we'll see bigger and better things from oh, that yeah. crew. Oh yeah, one oh, for sure. Well, Corey, we um we won't keep you any longer. I, again, really appreciate you coming on. It's been yeah. a, a a real fun time talking with you, and really excited about all the stuff you're doing in the future. It sounds like you got a lot of really cool stuff planned, so we're excited to see all of it. I hope it works out, and I appreciate you guys having me. And I'll come back anytime, man. I had fun. Big John, that was our interview with Corey Ryan Forrester. Your thoughts? I say this all the time, and I'm going to continue saying, you know what? If you get annoyed, I don't care. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to whoever's listening and maybe is getting annoyed. That uh, was a big gig. I, I, I do care, though, so just, just know that 50% of this podcast does care. Okay, that was a big gig. Big get. He's, look, we'll be honest with you. Corey is... Corey and all, you know, the well-read guys, that's part of the reasons, you know, why we felt comfortable making this podcast. Cause you know, those, those guys showed that, you know, that, that people will, uh, you know, listen to stuff, even if, well, for them, they're really funny. So yeah, no, I get they, that. They've got but, talents. Uh, yeah. So we had to find another way around. <laughs> we had to fake our talents. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, uh, but, but to get Corey, honestly, is, is pretty awesome. We, I know that when we first like, created this podcast and we made a list of people he was on that list uh, and it's pretty cool to to continue to kind of check people off on on who we wanted at the very beginning and and now getting them so i'm sure that he'll be uh i hope that he'll be a reoccurring guest because i think that that was one of our best discussions yeah yeah it was a lot of fun and and he's always just got he's just really funny too um he's got a great uh, a podcast which i think we reference in there um through the screen door and the well-read podcast as well check them out and um, yeah, I uh, and hopefully we'll get to have him back on sometime. He's a he's a good time, and uh, and and I felt like we really learned a lot. It was a good good discussion. 
But speaking of good discussions, we always like to end our show with a good discussion, and uh, we call it a, a little bit of a, a beef with Big John, and uh, it's where Big John has a beef, and uh, some might call it a beef, some others call it you know a disagreement, a discussion, a topic at hand. That he takes issue with. Big John, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to present to you the beef-feeding mouth of the South coming to you live from a foreclosed Ponderosa back-to-back buffet world champion beef with Big John. All right, I'm not gonna lie to you, Chuck. <clears throat> I to to myself, I had a different beef literally two minutes ago. Okay. okay, okay. This is so. This is coming off the noggin. Oh, this is coming right off the wow, noggin. Wow, wow. And the reason being, so this is really this is where you really see the meat, the the, the sausage get made, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to show you a little uh, Hollywood insider <laughs> tip there. Yeah, just not the Harvey Weinstein. Nope. Nope, not that, not that tip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that, that was one. A penis not... joke for those listening. Yeah, you can cut yep, that. Gonna anyway, cut that whole uh... thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the reason I'm changing it up here is because I realized, Chuck, that when this comes out, it's 4:20. Whoa! Yeah, it's 4:20 every day. Uh, you know? Yeah, so hopefully, uh, if you do celebrate, you celebrate, I don't know, do, do people say responsibly, like, I know when people do it, like, uh, with alcohol, they say, like, I hope you do it responsibly, like, do they do that with weed? I don't know if they say it, but, I mean, you should, like, don't drive when you've, like, you're high as shit, that's bad. Yeah, um, anyway. Uh, and, you know, don't random like, take I just too many know. edibles like I've done before. Yeah, anyway, uh, when it comes down to it, 420 is a day for all of us to remember that Appalachia sits in the background when it comes to weed. We continue to let everybody pass us by state after state, continue to pass it, while we literally have some of the best soil for weed in the entire country. That's why there are millions and millions of plants sitting right here in our region being illegally harvested unfortunately but if we were able to legalize it we'd make a ton of money and it just blows my mind because we continue to have legislatures who are on the conservative side saying that they're you know they're all about finding ways to make new revenue finding ways to create jobs finding ways to have more money in our budget this is it pass this today yeah money tomorrow and i will say let me uh let me go ahead and defend my newly adopted state real quick the great Commonwealth, excuse me, of Virginia, that uh, that did legalize weed um, not yes. too long ago and will become effective July first. But you are correct; most of Appalachia, I would say, is still in the dark ages. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that the region continues to know what's going on. We have plenty of advocates for it that are telling legislators every single day what the benefits are, not only medically and just, you know, for the, you know, the person themselves, but also the financial stipulations behind it are something that we should be, we should just be rolling in the cash with this. But we would rather focus on trying to to create 
things that aren't going to be recreated, like coal. Coal's not coming back. It's just the way it is. But you know what could replace it? Weed. That would be great. You could create jobs. You could have more money. You could stop relying on an industry that has not only been dead for years, but continues to steal resources from this region without giving anything back. That's the entire coal industry, and that's what it's been. The, the miners, great people, great workers, but they're not the problem. The problem is, obviously, I call it big coal. That's the problem. Big coal. And what we need to fix that, big weed, but not too big because we don't want corporations <laughs> uh, in it. Because I like the confidence with which you said, like, you know what I call it? Big coal. Like, it's like not been a thing before. <laughs> Yeah, I created it. I this is my term. Big, big uh, weed. But, yeah, big weed, but not too big. We don't want marble in it. Screw no, them. hell um, no, no, and yeah. no Philip Morris bullshit. I know they're trying to switch. Yeah, it. Get that no, out no, we want it local, but we want it yeah. widespread. Right. I want my. I want it to be like craft beer, right? Like where you can go, you can go to the brewery of your choice, the great brewery, the local guy that you know is giving you the great stuff. I, that's what I want it to be like. And I and it could be, especially in Appalachia. We have all the resources to do it. We could start tomorrow. I mean, cash would start rolling in. It, it's not even that difficult. This is literally an entire industry where you don't need advertising because everybody... It, People want it already. They don't need to be told. You don't need word of mouth because it's already there. People, here's a secret. People are smoking weed right now in Appalachia. Oh God, what? Yeah, so it's already happening. So you might as well just legalize it and make some money. Wow. Yeah. ASMR weed. <laughs> Smoke weed every day. I think the funny part is I advocate for for legalizing weed and I don't I don't even use it. <laughs> I just want people to use it that want to Big use John it. John just wants everybody to just have a good time, kick back, smoke a J. Yeah, look, here's the thing, you're right. It's we literally said this. I think it was was it episode three, maybe? There's I don't know, but don't go listen because we didn't have any we didn't have good microphones, yeah, we didn't have anything. Don't listen to it, but just take don't listen. our word for it. <laughs> One of one yes, of the year quotes from that that episode that we did, the, whatever the first one we did weed on was, but it was literally money on the table, and that's what it is. It's it's, it's Jesus. It's like I mean I don't know how many times we could talk about this and and get the point. Of, well, I just wanted to do it because no, no, it's no, no, I, It's just I love another. It. I want to keep doing it. I'm I'm just saying, like you know, I feel like a broken record sometimes with what I say, yeah. but I think we do because I. We got to keep talking about it because if we don't, people are going to forget. And here's the thing. I think that people, if you're listening to this, should be pressuring your lawmaker. Make them give you an answer for why they don't support this. And and let us know. Seriously, like, let us know. What is their answer? Yeah. You know, is it some, like, Jesus yada yada thing? Is it... Uh, my my assumption is that they're they're getting a lot of pressure from the like police unions, um, the one union I and big and pharma big pharma police unions, the one union I really don't support, um, that and like the you know border bullshit. But um, but they're probably getting a lot of pressure from the police and and like you said from big pharma, who. God forbid, you know, people people may not be getting addicted to pills or something. Yeah, so look, I don't I mean, 
I think it tells you all you need to know. Like, police and big pharma are against something. Hmm. Well, that should tell you everything you need to know about which side you need to be on that. The way I always think of this for Appalachia is pretend there's a swimming pool full of money that's 10 feet deep, right? You'll never hit the bottom. You're safe. As As soon as you jump in, you're safe. But next to it is an entire thing of just lava and you die immediately. Appalachia continues to jump in that while the cash is sitting right here. Yeah. That's what they um, do. And for those of you maybe who, who may not understand like the um I guess the <laughs> the physics of that, you would die uh, a very painful <laughs> death. I'm pretty sure you'd get hurt either on either of them, but the cash would be f- way more it would fun. It'd be more satisfying, you know. Yeah, and there's a chance, there's a chance you don't get hurt. You jump in the lava, there's no chance. Nah, yeah, that's right. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even Scrooge McDuck, you know, he jumped into a thing full of gold coins. Anyway. Gold coins? He, he walked away from it every time. So I'm going to go back to what I was saying. Look, you can jump in this cash or you could jump in this lava. We got to stop jumping in lava. We got to start jumping into cash. Yep. You know what they say. Gas, grass, or ass. Nobody rides for free. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm I am now a, a modern day philosophizer and I am going to continue to be on this podcast with Beef of Big John and I need to do a quick shout out. Hey, uh if you're listening to this, go listen I'm going to plug another podcast which I don't normally do, but these guys are not like us and they're really funny and they should get more listeners. 4th and 10. Go listen to them. I did a guest segment on there. We talked about buffets. I didn't want to forget. I I didn't realize you're going to end on we talked about buffets. We did. We talked about buffets. They made me create a top 10 list, right? I got to do it on anything I wanted. Any top 10 list. So I created a top 10 list of buffets. Now, to be fair, when I started it, before I got to like number two, it was top 10 restaurants. And then I realized that I had written just eight buffets. (laughs) So it became top 10 buffets. God, that's smart. smart. Anyway. For the 10, really nice guys, bunch of comedians who are, who are super funny and doing sports stuff. Sports stuff. Well, there you go. Sports Modern stuff. Day Philosophy with Big John is what the name of this segment is going to be from now on. Thank you <laughs> no, for <laughs> philosophizing with us. Thank you for listening. Again, check out the Patreon. Um, check out us on social media. Check out our website. It's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. I usually post the transcripts of episodes every week. Or most every week. So check that out if you want to read it instead of listening to my grating voice. So, and otherwise, thanks so much for being a listener. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you.